This podcast is part of the Bombpod Media Network. Hey guys, welcome to episode 76 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I am Jerry and I'm joined by my beautiful wife, Tracy. Well, thank you, honey bunny. You are absolutely welcome. Hey everybody, hope y'all had a great weekend. Yeah, it's been a really good weekend for us. We, uh, we've got a lot of good things happening that we want to share with you guys. So a lot of good interviews coming up. Uh, we were supposed to have one of them earlier this week, had a little bit of a scheduling uh, malfunction, I guess we'll say. And hopefully uh, that's going to happen next week. But I can tell you that in the upcoming weeks, we're going to have Amy Bruni from Kindred Spirits. Nice. Can't wait for that. Uh, we're also uh, going to have Grant Wilson, hopefully here in the next come uh, two, three, four weeks coming up. So we've got that tentatively set up. So, uh, of course, everybody out there loves Grant. And then uh, also we've got Chad Lindbergh. You guys will remember him from uh, Jesse. In Fast and the Furious, the original Fast and the Furious, mm-hmm. but he also, uh, for you other uh, supernatural freaks out there, he played Ash in, in uh, several episodes of Supernatural, as well as having his own TV show, Ghost Stalkers, that uh, was pretty cool. And now he's got a new show coming out, and he's going to come on and talk about that with us. So these are some pretty big names, uh, and we'll be able to get all of them probably back-to-back-to-back weeks. So pretty cool. Yeah, that's exciting. I can't wait for all of this. Yep, so I'm excited too. And what I want to do is start off, obviously, by thanking all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter what country uh, you are fighting for. Yes, we've been praying for you guys. Um, We always do. And uh, just God bless you guys for looking over us and helping keep us safe. I know, especially in, in California recently with all the wildfires and everything, you guys are... 
uh, working overtime. And like I said, we include, you know, all the civil servants, which is police and fire department oh and all that. And, and uh, you guys have had it rough. So, you know, we, we are always thinking about you and, and making sure that you know that you don't get uh, neglected as far as our end. Of we, course not. We definitely appreciate all you do. It doesn't affect us per se. Uh, right here doesn't matter your human life out there putting your life on the line every day for other people and uh, that does not go unnoticed absolutely does not we love every one of you all right so let's uh go into the itunes reviews we've actually had a decent amount of itunes we did. reviews. how exciting so let's cover these this was a, a long one and actually it was a really cool one that's what she said uh mrs k.r minor Joe Pulley. Joe actually lives in Gatlinburg, which, you know, we all love uh, Gatlinburg. We talk about it all the time. But he actually um, runs Cooter's Place down there. Yeah. And if you know anything about Dukes of Hazard, the gentleman who played Cooter on the show, he actually owns the place. That's so how cool, cool is that? Very cool. Joe is actually um, helping us out. with When Tracy and I go back down there, he's going to try to hook us up with a couple of haunted places mm-hmm. that he's going to get us into. So we're kind of excited oh, about man, that. Oh, man, we are excited. Thank you so much for that, hon. We appreciate it, Joe. Absolutely. Uh, Kimmy81, Real Hatch Rooster. I'd I like to know how some of these names come about. I don't know, but good for them. I love them. <laughs> this one was a really long name, so I'm only going to read you part of it. <laughs> K-S-J-D-K-G. And this was actually one of our best reviews of the week, so we greatly appreciate that. Uh, J Mostus 33 Bits5252, and Monkey Assassin. Monkey assassin. I wish I had a monkey. I love monkeys. They're so thank you. I do too. They're adorable. But they throw poop at you. So They throw poop at you? Yeah, monkeys throw poop oh. at you. Especially like chimpanzees and stuff. How rude. Yeah. But I still love them. Yeah. I guess you can. Now, I want to bring this up while we're talking about iTunes reviews. Because there is a special fan over in Great Britain by the name of Sophie Carpenter. Uh, she shares the same birthday with me. That makes her extra special. <laughs> But Sophie had mentioned that, hey, she didn't get her shout out. And I'm sorry, honey. Well, but here's why. And, and I explained this to Sophie, but we've never really explained this on the air. And I'm glad she brought this to our attention. We only in the United States see our reviews that come from the United States. Oh. So if you guys are in a foreign country, even Canada... They don't. We don't get access to those. Why can't we? Because, well, I mean, we we can. It's really hard because you got to have some loopholes to get through. But we typically only see the reviews that are right here. Aww. Now, sometimes um, we share with other podcasters, like um, Lee from mm-hmm. Don't Break the Oath. We will send him uh, a screenshot of the reviews he's gotten, and then he will send us a screenshot of the reviews. That we got over there in Great Britain. Oh, that's so cool. So we probably need to do that uh, with like Australia and, and um, Canada and some of the other countries. But if if we don't, if we haven't read your review, it's because we just didn't see it. I'm sorry. We apologize for that. But oh my gosh, if you guys could screenshot or Yeah, all you anything. have to do, just send us something saying you gave us a review and we'll definitely get you a shout out. Woo-hoo. So that's what I wanted to, to make sure that we mentioned here. Because we definitely don't want anybody to think that we just... Didn't get your review. Oh my gosh, no yeah, way. Yeah, if we see a review, we give a shout out, yeah. even, even for the bad ones. Don't, yeah, those mean everything to us. Those reviews are more important than well, the, anything. The bad ones don't mean any, everything Well, to us. that's okay. I still accept the bad ones. I mean, you have to. Yeah. Look I at me. So. Go me, right? Yeah, I mean, well, in fairness, all the bad ones were about you. 
So. I know, but I'm over that. See, that's what I'm trying to say. We accept all reviews, good or bad. And that's not true either, because oh my God. I've had my no. I'm saying I've had my share of bad reviews. Too. Oh, that's true. So like mainly over farts stink and well, not, there's never been anything about farts. Oh, but well, I'm putting this up. But the, I have a bad review for Jerry. His farts stink. <laughs> but the Masonic show, uh, I got a few bad reviews yeah, on. Right. And, but uh, you know what? That's all right. That's to be expected. Nobody's perfect. And uh, we just want to strive to do better and, and make you guys happy. So keep those reviews coming. It's just, it's like Christmas to me. Every time I see one, it really is. I just love them. Yep. And uh, like I said, so if, if you do, if you live in a foreign country and you send us a review, just send us something saying you left us a review and we'll make sure that we give you a shout out. Yeah. We don't want anybody to left out. Yeah. Patreons. We had a, uh, three brand new Patreons this week. That's awesome. Gio Castillo. Gio's been actually writing us through email like I a love long that time. Name. He lives he lives in Houston, I believe. Uh-huh. And um, so I saw that he signed up. So thank, thank you, Gio. Gio. Charlotte Venable. Thank you, Charlotte. I love and your name too, baby. Amber Chitwood. <gasps> Amber Chitwood. Why does that sound familiar? Do she, we know she her? was no, she was um she was a, a Patreon supporter before, and then um, she had to pull her pledge for a little bit, you, but then she you. came back. Well, which honey, so, we are so glad you're back, Amber. Which sometimes happens. And I want to bring up something while we're on that subject. Um, I've seen it before to where people were blasted because they, um, by other podcasts, because they pulled their support. And I just wanted to say, look, we understand that sometimes people get in, in bad situations, and you you may intend to support and run into a financial situation and have to pull it, and we are completely fine oh with that. Oh my gosh, yes. And you know, if you come back, you come back. And like I said, I don't. We never know the situations on why somebody pulls. We I see know. that maybe they just don't you know, want to do it. Heck. We we see, and like I said, so it could just be that you know you're unhappy with what we've done so far, yeah. or maybe we said something to offend you, or oh, whatever not. the case may be. But we want people to know that you know it's not something personal to oh us. My gosh, no, if you ever have to pull your pledge for whatever reason. We don't hold that against anybody. No, we don't take it not. personal. So no, not at all. We appreciate each and every one of you. And it's like he said. I mean, maybe there's a couple of shows or whatever you just didn't like, and you know what? That's okay. But we are so glad you're back, Miss Amber. And on the subject of Charlotte Venable, Charlotte also is very active in our new group, and I wanted to bring Good. that up early this time. So we do have a group on Facebook. If you uh, just you know, go in and put in Hillbilly Horror Stories group, send us a request, and somebody will get you approved to get in there. And we've already jumped in, like, the first week that it was up. We've already had over almost th- right around 300 members. I know, and I always try to beat Jerry by approving him. Yeah, so. Because when I go in there and says, oh, no, items or whatever it says, I'm like, oh. But Natasha could have done that, too. Oh. Yeah, so it's just it's a it's You know, I did not even think of that. And she's on a whole different time zone yeah, than us. Yeah, so. that's so true. It's fun. We like all, you know, the more the merrier. I love approving all of y'all. Just come on and have fun with us. It was way more fun in this group than I thought it was going to be. Otherwise, we probably would have done it a long time ago. So, And Natasha works her little ass off on it. She sure does, and we appreciate you, darling. Yeah, but it's fun. We get get stuff, and you guys can give us show ideas and share your own personal stories, and there's some jokes posted. Yeah, one big family. We love it. Yeah, we talk about just stuff that's not even show-related. I mean, we talk about... What's your favorite kind of music? And I don't know. It's just kind of fun. And it's a different way of all getting to know each other. So I've thoroughly enjoyed the week that we've had it going. Yeah, me too. All right. So let's talk about this week's show. I'm sure you have no clue what it's about. No, now. Come on. (laughs) But if you heard the beginning song, that was Johnny Cash. 
And uh, it was uh, kind of, I guess, an early intro as to what we're actually going to be doing tonight because we're going to talk about the Rose Hall Mm -hmm. uh, Plantation in Jamaica. Oh, wow. We're going to talk about a bunch of other haunted places in the Caribbean islands, but we're mainly, after the Rose Hall, going to talk about Johnny Cash actually had a house in the Caribbean, in the in Jamaica, oh, on nice, Rose Johnny. Hall's property. What? So, and well, that's, that's really fitting. And then. so he knew. That's why he knew the the story, story about so Andy well. Palmer and actually did the, the I miss, story. I miss Johnny Cash. You didn't know Johnny Cash. I well, I love his music and I miss his music. The um, the gentleman from Gatlinburg, Joe, mm-hmm. he actually told me a story uh, last night on the phone about when he got to meet Johnny Cash. Oh, lucky! And it was funny because he was saying. He was talking to June Carter Cash. Yes. And because he had went there with with uh, their daughter, mm-hmm. uh, and he when he showed up there, uh, he was talking to June, and in the background he heard somebody cussing and grabbing and complaining. That it was Johnny Cash because he couldn't figure out the TV remote. <laughs> <laughs> but he said he he said he talked to him for a few minutes, and he told him a story. He had a picture of him and Elvis up, and he, oh, nice. he told him a funny story about Elvis. Not so it's, it's kind of a cool oh, story. Well, very cool. Very All cool. right, so let's talk about. Rose Hall. Rose Hall was actually built in 1770, and uh, it was an 18th century plantation house in Jamaica. At one time, there were like 700 of these big old houses mm-hmm. and plantations, and they were primarily owned by plantation owners, as you would expect a plantation to be. Rose Hall had about 6,000 acres, and at one point had 2,000 slaves working on oh, the property. Oh, my goodness. It was huge. A huge sugarcane plantation. Uh, Jamaica, which most people know it for other uh crops today oh yeah but (laughs) back in (laughs) back then uh sugar was its main crop Mm -hmm. and that was you know it was huge because sugar during the 1800s it was a commodity no kidding yeah and you know on the subject of commodities we're talking about you know salt and sugar and stuff like that but i was reading a, a story the other day that talked about at one point in time like in the 1700s Salt was really expensive. No way. And like now, it's like dirt cheap. Like what, 30 cents? Yeah, it's like 30, 40 cents a thing. But back then, it was like, and there were cities that were actually named after salt because it was so. I I would not survive. I know that's completely out of the loop what we're talking about. I know. So, anyway, out of all these 700 plantations that used to be, there's only about 15 of these huge houses that actually remain today. Oh. Because unfortunately, most of these houses burnt down during the Great Jamaican Slave Revolt of 1831. Well, that's... Try saying that fast. No way. I don't think I could. It's not exactly something you would throw on a t-shirt. Jamaica on. I can't. (laughs) See, I can't. Now, of the ones that did still remain, Rose Hall is by far the most famous, and it has the most famous ghost, the infamous White Witch of Rose Hall. Mmm. Sounds cool. So who's the White Witch? Well... Hold on, baby bird. I'll feed you. (laughs) Hurry, mama. (laughs) So the story goes that Annie Palmer, who was actually born to Annie Patterson, is the so-called white witch. Now, according to legend, Annie's mom was an English and her dad was Irish. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the family actually moved to Haiti when Annie was 10 years old. And while in Haiti, Annie was actually cared for by a nanny, which wouldn't have been uncommon. This nanny, though, was actually a voodoo priestess. Nice. Did they know that? Well, apparently. Oh. I didn't get to ask them. They've been well. there for several years. <laughs> <laughs> but this voodoo priestess actually taught Annie everything about the art of voodoo that she could. And after Annie's parents died of yellow fever, uh, she kind of like took, took over. Her in. Yeah. So she was kind of her, her guardian at that point. Mm-hmm. 
Annie turned 18 and her nanny died, and about that time, she supposedly moved to Jamaica. Okay. And she was there to move to Jamaica to find a rich husband. That's what the story goes. Oh, well, good for her. No, I mean, just, why know, not? Why make something of yourself when you just marry somebody hey, rich? That's and just, what I'm talking you know. about. So it didn't take her long to actually accomplish this whole process of marrying a rich husband. She met and married a guy by the name of John Palmer. He was the owner of Rose Hall Estates and uh, Palmer Estates that was next door. Actually, Palmyra Estates that were next Palmyra. door. But it's an easy fix. You just do an A, you know, R-E on the end. Mm-hmm. So almost the same thing. That estate was actually just right next door. And after just a few months, she was already tired of her husband. Oh, my gosh. She started taking uh, on a few slaves as lovers. Oh, tramp. You know, but if you're going to be a slave, that's probably not the hardest work, is <laughs> being the lover of the plantation owner. No, but see, I don't like her already. I'm I was kind of rooting for her at first, but well, now then you, I'm like, yeah. You, you won't be rooting for her. Well, I already want to punch her in her face, so. But then at the end, you'll root for her again. Oh. You'll see what I mean. So anyway, she took these slaves as lovers. John found out, and he had her beat with a riding crop. You know what a riding crop is, right? Oh, the thing you hit the horses with? You're right. Just like you see the horses being beat with on Aww. when they were racing. So she beat he beat her with a riding crop out in the front yard, and the next day John was actually found dead. Amazing enough, most believe that she actually poisoned his coffee. Mm-hmm. She inherited Rose Hall, obviously, because she was his wife, and this is where her uh, Madame Lalaurie behavior kind of started at. Mm-hmm. She was actually still taking slaves as lovers. But she was also killing them when she got tired of them. She would regularly torture her slaves before killing them. What a mean biatch. Yeah. She would set traps all around the property to keep them from escaping. So she was so untrusting. This is this is different than anything I've ever heard before. She was so untrusting to these slaves that the ones that worked inside, if they had access to the kitchen, she would make them whistle while they were in the kitchen. The whole point of them whistling is because if they're whistling, they obviously weren't eating any of her food. Oh, what so, a heifer. Yeah, so that was that was the plan. Now, if she caught them not whistling, she cut their hands off for stealing. <laughs> so she just assumed... Okay, that, so there, there's a no-win situation for them. Well, they can whistle. Well, but, she, but if they stopped whistling... What if they didn't know how to whistle, Jerry? Uh, well, that, that's what I'll say. I would be screwed because I can't whistle. At all. Oh, my gosh. See? So I would just have to just tell her up front, I can't accept that position. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now, because of her knowledge of voodoo and her cruelty to the slaves, they actually started calling her the White Witch of Rose Hall, Mm. which makes sense. It sure does. Annie had two other marriages. She supposedly murdered both of them. Yep. The legend says that um, she married her second husband, uh, and then she stabbed him in the chest. But in case he wasn't dead, she actually poured uh, boiling oil, or as you say, oil, <laughs> in his ears to make sure he was dead. Okay, so why isn't she getting arrested for all this? What is the deal? When you're a rich plantation owner, you don't know, you know, this is just... This is not acceptable. I understand. Now, the third husband, um, she and one of her slave lovers by the name of Taku... Mm-hmm. Strangled him to death. Okay. How does she overpower these men? 
what is just, what I want to know. I just told you, in this situation, she and her lover, Taku, strangled him. So I oh, would imagine... Oh, I thought you meant she did strangled him, no, no, no. her new lover. I'm sure Taku was the one who strangled her husband to death. He was another one of her slave lovers. Yeah. And, and the he... other guy, she just went and stabbed him in the chest. <laughs> so, I mean, if you're not expecting it... See, Ninja can tell you if it's a sneak attack, you wouldn't... You, okay, you don't have to be very strong. My, he could have been sleeping. My question is, though, if these other gentlemen... Saw that these people are getting killed by. Well, who's these other gentlemen? They're on a plantation. I mean, I'm, I'm talking, not talking to these people. Well, I mean, I would think the word would get around after three or four people ended up dead. It did get around. That's why we're telling the story. That's how legends get happen. Okay, I just don't understand why they would get involved with her, <laughs> knowing what all's been happening. Is what I'm saying. Oh, I don't know. Well, there's no telling where they came from. So everything would eventually catch up with with Annie, though. She actually fell in love with an Englishman by the name of Robert Rutherford. And Robert Rutherford didn't have any interest in Annie whatsoever. He actually was in love with her lover, Taku's granddaughter. So you thought I was going to say in love with Taku. Oh, my gosh. And that would have been awesome. No. (laughs) He was in love with her granddaughter. Well, Mm -hmm. Annie wasn't having that. And, you know, she's decided she was going to cast a voodoo spell known as Old Haj. On Taku's granddaughter. Now, this spell is actually supposed to um, have a ghost come visit you, like in the middle of the night, and then when that ghost visits you, it puts a spell on you to mm-hmm. whether you just wither away and die. Oh wow! And this poor granddaughter didn't have anything to do no. with any of that. No. So obviously, the plan was to get rid of the granddaughter, and if she's out of the way, Rutherford would be all hers. So the granddaughter did eventually pass away, and Taku was so upset that she killed his granddaughter, that he attacked her and choked her to death. So that's what happened to Annie. Well, good. Now, the slaves actually took her body. They buried it in a very deep hole on the property. And then they burned all of her possessions because they didn't want to make sure that there wasn't some kind of oh yeah attachment to her possessions yes. that could still linger around. So they burned all of her possessions. Then... They performed what they, some kind of a voodoo ritual that was supposed to keep her uh, spirit from escaping. Now, somehow or another, they botched the ritual and did it incorrectly. And Come on, y'all. So now her ghost haunts Rose Hall today. And it's believed that, you know, I told you during the slave revolt that they burnt down all these properties. Mm-hmm. But they think that this property was actually saved and not burnt down because the slaves believed that... If this property was burnt down, then her spirit would be set free to pretty much go oh, yeah. wherever it wants and inhabit the island. So, it's also said that the future owners of this house actually uh, met with gruesome and horrible early deaths. Mm. And that's why the house actually sat empty for 130 years. <gasps> wow, 130, 130 years. years. Now, if only this story was true. Oh, my Lord. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that story has been great for tourism in Jamaica, and it's especially been good for Rose Hall. But the facts tell a whole different story. So Annie Palmer was actually Jamaican from Scottish descent. She actually never lived in Haiti, nor did she uh, ever have a, a Haitian nanny. So it was actually a fact that she didn't know anything about voodoo. And in 1820, she did marry a John Palmer. He was the first and her only husband. They didn't live at uh, Rose Hall for very long either, and neither one of them died there. So I guess I owe her an apology (laughs) because I called her a biatch and a heifer. So they were actually in heavy debt from um, 
both of the properties that that he owned, mm-hmm. and they had to turn it over back over to the bank. Oh. So the property did remain vacant for 130 years, and it fell into very bad disrepair before being restored to its glory. Um, and Annie, you know, like I said, she never killed her husband. He died in 1827 of just natural causes. Uh, there's no record of her ever uh, torturing or mistreating any slaves. Well, thank God. That was terrible. I'm glad she didn't do all that stuff. In fact, the estate only had one or two slaves that cared for the whole property during the years that her and uh, her husband actually lived there. And then when the banks took it over, they didn't keep any of the slaves. So after mm-hmm. that point, they didn't have any slaves. So when John died, she sold what little interest she had in the property. And Annie died in 1846, 15 years after she was supposedly killed by her slaves. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so, well, that was a very better ending to that story. So how did all this get put on poor Annie? Because, yeah, why would they do that? Well, it's a little bit of confusion, and some of this will make um, sense once you hear the story, but there was actually a little more of thinking of somebody before her. Oh. But even even then, you're going to hear a lot of this just didn't, didn't really happen. In 1746, there's an Englishman by the name of Henry Fanning, and he married a young lady by the name of Rosa Kelly. Now, they both... Uh, Decided that they were going to buy some land, so they bought about 250 acres, but Henry actually died a few months after they got married. Oh my gosh, that's terrible. Now, three years later in 1750, Rosa actually married another gentleman by the name of George Ash. Okay, wait, how many months after you said? Three years later. Oh, three years later. Yeah, now he died just a few months later after they got married. What so is the deal? I'm about, no, I'm talking about the first guy. The first guy died like two months right. after they got married, and then George... But we don't know why he died, though? No, it doesn't say. Oh. So three years later, she marries uh, uh, George Ash. Mm-hmm. He started actually building the beautiful mansion that is Rose Hall right there on the site of the property that they had bought, and he named it Rose Hall because her name was Rosa. Now, that's one story. Some people say he was really close to the Rose family, mm-hmm. and that's why he named it Rose Hall. So it just depends on who you talk to. George actually died in 1752. So this was only two years after he... Built a house? Yeah. She, he, she was only married to him two years. So shortly after he actually got the house finished, he passed away. So a year after that, Rosa married a... Uh, gentleman by the name of Norwood Witter. There's a name for you. It was an unhappy marriage. She was not happy. And he apparently was like a shyster. He spent all of her money and then left her in real bad debt. But he died in 1967. 1967? Yeah, so, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> 1767. I was like, what the hell? Yeah, he, he was like 300 years old? He was old? 300 years old. Uh, lived a very happy life. Well, why does she have to keep getting married like all the time? Why? I don't know. But in 1968, Rosa married John Palmer. 1968? 1768. Did you say 1968 again? Yeah, I did. I guess. Oh, my gosh, guys. You know, it's because 1968 the tribute's coming to town. Oh, I know. So that's probably what's on my mind. I'm sorry, guys. He's so going beyond his In 1768, years. Rosa married John Palmer. John and Rosa were married until Rosa actually died in 1790. So she got to die finally? <laughs> she, she finally got to, one of the husbands outlived her. John died seven years later. They had no kids. And when this happened, uh, John actually had some sons that was over in England, and they never came to Jamaica. They didn't have any desire in inheriting the property. Wow. So, therefore, it was actually left to his grandnephew, which was John Rose Palmer. 
So what the hell does all this have to do with Annie being called the White Witch? I don't well, know. I want to know why they didn't have no interest in that land. Well, I mean, England and Jamaica are pretty well, I guess it's far, kind of far away. <laughs> and they probably had money over there and yeah. it just wasn't something that killed them. So the legend actually started in 1868. So now we're talking roughly 100 years later. There was a Falmouth newspaper, not, not the Falmouth in Kentucky. I'm assuming it's the Falmouth in, uh, I don't know where it was. It's just a Falmouth newspaper. So this Falmouth newspaper editor actually published a booklet containing most of the elements of the tale that we know today, which is what I told you. Mm-hmm. His story actually had Rosa Palmer, not Annie, as the White Witch. So the young lady with all the husbands that was before her actually was the White Witch. Now, all of the murder and the torture were actually attributed to her, not Annie. The fact that she had four husbands gave the story some credibility, obviously. Mm -hmm. People then started adding their own little parts to the story. Mm -hmm. And in 1911, a book on the history of St. James, which was that area of Jamaica, told the story. But in this book, Annie was the main character. So in 1929, a guy named Herbert G. DeLisser, he wrote a novel called The White Witch of Rose Hall, and that pretty much sealed Annie's fate because he listed Annie as the, as the main oh, culprit in there, too. And that's something. So it didn't matter that people knew that this book was fiction. Yeah. Uh, anything that was left out of the other two earlier uh, publications were actually added to this one, and that's pretty much the oh, tale you will. know today. And people were happy to believe that was the truth. The worst part, yeah. Yeah. So the question is, is Rose Hall really haunted? A lot of people say that is the most haunted place in Jamaica. Okay. And many people claim to see a shadowy type figure that's dressed in a green velvet riding outfit, actually riding a black horse mm-hmm. uh, through there. And if you remember the Johnny Cash song that yes. played earlier, he was talking about hearing her ride. And that was one of the yeah. things that people say. So other people have actually seen a woman wearing an all white on the stairs right there of the, the great house of Rose Hall. And outside of the house, a few claim that they've seen a glimpse of her inside the house. So, I mean, this is always, she's primarily seen outside, but occasionally somebody will say they see her inside. So, mm-hmm. I guess it just depends on who you talk to. There's been reports of screams and the sound of running footsteps heard coming from various rooms throughout the house. And the cellar is actually supposed to be the most haunted part of the whole house. And that is actually a gift shop today. So if you actually visit over there, you can go in and get a look at it. Yeah. And, I, and I saw some pictures of it, and it looks like a cellar. Oh. Yeah, it looks more like a cellar than it does a yeah. store. So. I bet it's pretty creepy in there, surely. Yeah. Even with all the fun stuff, but I would be creeped out a little bit, I think. But that's the story of Rose Hall. And since we're doing that part of it, and we've brought up Johnny Cash a few times, I thought we would tell you about the story of Johnny Cash's haunted property, which is right there. Okay. On the same premise. So... Um, most of you know who Johnny Cash is. Him and his wife, June Carter Cash, actually had a home on that same land. And the home is also an old plantation, and it was known as Cinnamon Hill. And once again, this is one of the homes of the 15 or so that didn't get burned down out of the 700. So that's oddly enough. It's a two-story walled structure. So it's like a a two-story stone wall structure, I should say, that overlooks Montego Bay. So I bet that's a pretty sight. I'm sure. The beautiful property was originally a sugar plantation, and in the 1700s, it was ran by Samuel and Edward Barrett. Now, hundreds of slaves actually worked in the fields here. The basement of Cinnamon Hill was a dungeon that was actually used to punish the the slaves. Mm -hmm. Uh, They said that they had uh, 
all, all kinds of, of um, shackles and stuff like that down there to where you could tell, you know, even when Johnny bought it, there were still oh parts gosh. of the doors and all that stuff. Yeah, that's so heartbreaking. But there were still bear traps that were about three feet long mm. that were hidden all over the edge of the property. That obviously was meant to do yeah. major damage. As somebody tried to say. Uh, needless to say, there were lots of anguish on this property uh, way before Johnny Cash ever bought it. This was back in, obviously, yeah. years, hundreds of years, or a hundred years before he would have even thought about buying it. But Johnny personally said that he had a lot of paranormal experiences in the house. And he even wrote about them in his uh, autobiography called, interestingly enough, Cash, the Autobiography. Makes sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. Very creative. He said that he actually saw an apparition of a woman in a uh, and a young boy on numerous occasions at the house. So he would just, just see them just roaming around. One time, Johnny said that he had several guests in his house for a dinner party. He said the apparition of a woman was in the dining room. And he said that she was in early, like, 30s, and she was wearing a full-length black dress. Is he the only one that saw her? No, no, no. no. Oh. No, it was a whole group. Well, so good. He said she actually came through the dining room door, and she was headed towards the kitchen, and she kind of proceeded across the room toward these double doors. And the opposite wall um, was where these double doors were, so she had to walk the whole length of the room. These doors were closed and locked. He said he and his guests actually watched her walk right through these locked doors without opening them, and then... After she passed through the the actual door, the group could hear like a rat tat 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 mm-hmm. sound coming from the other side. He said that he never felt any threat. He said that uh, we've never had any trouble at all from these souls. There is no more harm from any of them, and we're certain certainly not scared of them. He said they just don't uh, produce that type of emotion out of us. Well, that's awesome. So that's what Johnny. Cash thought about his his own little crib. Yeah, I would have liked to have been a spirit. His crib in the Caribbean. I would have liked to have been a spirit in his house. Yeah, I'm sure that would have been pretty cool. But yeah, there was a lot of people that talked about in his actual house. Uh, and you can take tours of that house, by the way. Oh, too, the, if you, oh go down you can? There. Yeah, you actually can. But there was a lot of people talking about in that house that just, there was always something. And he still, they still have in that house a lot of uh, Johnny Cash memorabilia and June uh-huh. Carter's Cash stuff. Yeah. So there's still, all of his stuff is still in that house. Oh man, that would be awesome. Yeah. So you can imagine, and uh, oh, who was it? There was a, there was a gentleman, there's a YouTube video out there. Mm-hmm. And this gentleman actually did, uh, you know what, it's, it's on um, Ghost Adventures. Oh. I think with Zach and them, I think this was like maybe their first episode. They actually went to this house and they got an EVP. And the EVP sounds just like Johnny Cash. <gasps> they actually uh, had it voice analyzed with Johnny's real voice, wow. and it matched well, up. How lucky was that for them? Yeah, so it's like it's really cool. So if you get a chance, just look up Johnny Cash yeah, EVP, definitely. and it's worth checking out. No doubt. Well, so here's what we got. We got a little more on the haunted Caribbean, but first, before we do that, I had a chance to sit down and talk to uh, Kevin May from Mirths and Monsters. Mm-hmm. Awesome show. And uh, I highly advise it to anybody that's got, especially kids, that you want them to listen to podcasts because it's completely family-friendly, it's really fun, and he's got a cool-ass Scottish accent. So that's what I like about Kevin. Well, good. But um, on the show, obviously, he goes by, by CK. Okay. And, uh, but he's a very fun talk, and, and I think you guys will love him. You will see he is extremely modest. And he's a very fun what? Talk. What does that mean? You know, he was fun to talk to. 
Oh, I haven't heard it put quite that way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I'm glad it went well. So, yeah, let's give a listen to Kevin real quick. Real quick and, uh, and, of course, we're not going to edit that out because, you know. Because it was funny. <laughs> and, and it's a lot of extra work. So. Oh, it's not that much extra work. All right, so let's listen to Kevin real quick. <laughs> All right, this has uh, actually been one that's been in the works for a couple of months with the holidays. It was tough uh, getting everybody scheduled to work out, especially when they're five hours ahead of you. But I'm excited to actually have on um, CK slash uh, Kevin from Mirths and Monsters. Kevin, what's going on, my man? Hey, how you doing? Uh, yep, yeah, everything is groovy here. I'm very, very, very happy to be here and to be asked on. Oh, it's no problem. You've uh, we've mentioned your show before. Uh, I like to plug it any chance I get on the uh, any of the blogs that I that I read or or like uh, Jeremy's uh, a group. I like to plug it anytime anybody's got yeah. suggestions because the one thing I like about your show, besides the Scottish accent, <laughs> is the fact uh-huh. that your show is one hundred percent family friendly. And it is yes, and I think that's um. And there's a lot of shows like that that are. I know. Um, I think I've read or, or listened that you were a big fan of uh, uh, myths and legends, as am I. And that yes. was, and yeah. I, I love that show. And, and Jason does such a great job with it. And it's just fun. And and you bring that same type of enjoyment out uh, on a different level because the, the, the two shows are completely different. But I can see similarities at the same time, if that makes sense. It is, yeah. Well, the, the main difference is his is accurate and uh, <laughs> not made up um, and i've got a mix of um accuracy as in what the, the myth actually is and then my brain sort of goes what if we do it this way instead so yeah that's the main difference then so you just finished up um what are we on now are we on like the how many months have you been doing this now because it's really not been that long actually i just checked it just recently um it was the 18th of august was the first episode Okay, Just yeah. Last year, so that's not uh, you know not, not too long, but in that short period of time, you've definitely uh, got a following, and uh, you were mentioned on a couple of uh, uh, lists out there of best new podcasts, and in the uh, podcast awards that came out, I know you were uh, in one of those awards. So, I mean, you're yeah. you're definitely getting noticed out there. Uh, yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to find the words to describe the feeling. So, um, surreal, because I get sort. Of- I get sort of anxious and things like that about uh, being that noticed. Because um, as much as I love folk um, telling me how much they enjoy it and all that kind of thing, it's a little bit weird for me with the whole being British and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. But it was um, when it came to that award one in particular, um, Moms and Murder, uh, Mandy and Melissa were, I believe, kind of uh, one of the reasons. Um, that I actually got mentioned by or mentioned to Discover Pods, and I, I I knew nothing about it until I actually got told, "You do know you're on the list as well, right?" No, I didn't know I was on the list as well. <laughs> so to find out about that, it was remarkable because oh, I probably shouldn't be saying this because I don't think I deserve it because I'm still exceptionally new. Oh God, they're going to hate me for saying it. Um, <laughs> It's just a weird feeling, to be honest. I mean, like you said, I only started in August. So to have a nomination and 
to have the amount of people who say how much they dig the show and how much they love it and how much their kids love it as well. That's the massively important thing for me, which I've definitely mentioned before. It's, ah, it's, it's wonderful, but I'm still getting used to it. Well, you're obviously a very humble person, and that's why it's having an effect on you. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you got to realize it's not about new. It's about quality. And you jumped right into a niche that was needed in, in the uh, podcasting world, and you've done it wonderfully. I mean, the, the quality of the show is fantastic, and there's no one that would listen to a show and an episode of the show and not realize or not think that this hadn't been around for years because it's got that kind of quality. And that's why you're getting the accolades that you're getting. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, about the, the the niche thing, I didn't actually know that there was a niche because um, I've only been listening to podcasts. It's been less than a year. I've been listening to podcasts and it's basically all been true crime that I listen to. Apart from one, there's a British one called No Such Thing as a Fish, which is ba- it's the researchers for a program called QI. And it's just a fact, but it's funny. But then someone told me about Case File, and there I went. <laughs> so <laughs> since then, it's been a... So I didn't actually know about... I don't. I still don't know a huge amount about podcasts and what's out there and all that kind of thing, because I'm still hooked on the true crime stuff, or the paranormal things like yourself, and, you know, and that's why we drink and stuff. So it, it, it's, it wasn't clever on my part it just happened to be pure luck that what i like to do is what was sort of needed well let's you you brought them up so i'll go ahead and bring them up a little earlier in the conversation you've had you've had a lot of support uh in the podcasting world you mentioned uh uh, moms and murder and um and that's why we drink and and obviously everybody who listens to this show knows that we are huge fans of and that's why we drink the other show as well but but i don't know them personally like i do uh em and christine and they have been a a huge help to you amongst with some others but they they kind of stand out because they have supported you from the beginning even before you started into the podcasting correct exactly yes um i mean i've been listening to them pretty much from the off and i uh they're just they're so friendly they're so nice the show is so good and their chemistry is remarkable and the the format of the show is really really good as well but i thought because one day i just decided oh i'd like to do something but i didn't start with a podcast i started with a blog of basically similar things that i'm doing at the moment is one about Loch Ness Monster and um another couple i can't quite remember but christine mentioned it on the show and it's just a blog it doesn't mean anything but since then they've been just i I can't begin to say enough about how they have been for me and it's a little bit emotional (laughs) talking about it but they have been remarkable to me there have been many, many others as well, but they have got such a massive place in my heart for everything that they've done for me. And th- this is a big deal for me because I learned about yourselves through them being on here. And now I'm on here talking to you and uh, gobsmacked. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's such a good feeling. I've mentioned the community of the podcasting thing before. It's so important. I agree. To a lot of people. 
it, we, we're still such a small um, area of the media that we all need to support each other. There is no competition out here. To to sit and think that this show's competition to this show or what have you, that's just absolutely crazy. There's you know, there's not a person out there who listens to podcasts that don't listen to twenty. You know, so yeah. you know, <laughs> we just all need to stick together and help everybody realize that there's another medium out there besides just the television and radio and, and, and what have you, and we can all grow as a group. And that's that's my opinion of it. So I'll help anybody who wants a leg up. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I mean, there's, uh, the last is at 36 times as well is another one, a Canadian one. And I actually got to meet one of them um, not long ago. I met Lily and I was, you know, yeah, I was fangirling. <laughs> I was just kind of, I was trying to keep it together when I was talking to her and her fellow Andy. Um, and it was just so bizarre because I was sort of sat there at times thinking, this time last year, I didn't even know what a podcast was. And now here I am talking to somebody who's just been remarkable to me as well there have been so many look like the the lassies that color me dead as well have been good and mums and murder I, I genuinely could go on for ages about the amount of people and they know who they are as well um who have helped me because they know that i'm i'm really bad at pushing myself because brooke vanderford is i think she's basically my manager now <laughs> and my publicist because um, she knows that I find it really hard to push myself sometimes. So she's been a huge help too. Well, that was one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on. Not only the fact that I think you've got a great show and I really enjoy it, but I think you're an, you would be an inspiration. Your story would be an inspiration to a lot of people that are sitting at home saying, hey, I think I might want to do that, but but I don't think I could, I've got the ability to do that. Because you're proof that making that leap, even though you weren't completely comfortable with it, uh, still not. Yeah, that you could. Yeah, like you said before we even started. You know, this is something that's still all new to you, and you're not mm. you're not comfortable with it. But you you're a prime example of jump in with both feet and you'll figure it out. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, to be fair, it wasn't complete. I, I didn't think it'd be a complete failure. I didn't go in with too much of a a thought what might happen though. I did know that I could be funny. That's basically it. And I know that I can, my humor can be quite surreal. It can be dark, but that's not what I was pushing for. But I was, I was, uh, I can be very surreal because I used to listen to a lot of, um, uh, I, I doubt that you'll have heard of these. This is a radio show back from the 50s, a British radio show called The Goon Show. And it was four guys. One of them was Spike Milligan, who's, I don't know if when Peter Sellers was in it, and Harry Seacombe. And it was a radio show, and it was just the most mental thing that you'll ever hear. And this was back in the 50s, and it was so bizarre. And I listened to their albums on vinyl, back before vinyl became, you know, hipster cool. <laughs> um, I got it out from the library because I thought that the album cover looked uh, pretty and amusing. I think I was about 12 years old. And I would listen to it, and it was just sheer this incredible insanity that was... It made me cry with laughter. And they used a lot of special effects as well for humor, which I do too. So it's not that I'm ripping them off entirely, but they're a massive influence. But that's the kind of thing that I was wanting to do, just kind of weird, bizarre, nothing too serious, make folk laugh and, you know, take it for there, see what happened. And everything that's happened thus far has been way beyond my expectations. I also love the fact that the shows are, are relatively short. 
Uh, so, you know, it, it's, it makes really easy to binge listen, or if you just got a, a, you know, a 30 minute commute somewhere, you can always fit in an episode. So I really enjoy the, the length of the shows as well. Yeah, a few focus said that actually, and I wasn't sure if it was a good thing to start with. Because when you say it, it's like, thank God it's short. And it, oh, right, okay. <laughs> but then you realize because um, there are some longer, longer podcasts out there and you've got to kind of make time for them. And everybody, a lot of people are busy. Everybody has a busy, busy life. And if they love a podcast and they want to listen to as many as they can, the shorter ones can be better. So, yeah, no, I, I completely understand. It's a nice little, um, a quick listen full of nuttiness. And you learn something, whether it be something interesting or whether it be, I think CK's off his nut, you still learn something. So <laughs> There you go. Hey, before we move on too far, I want to go back to the girls. Um, uh, Sorry. Christine yes. for a second. No, no, no. That was, I, I got us off subject. I just want to touch on this before I forget, but Em and Christine from And That's Why We Drink, mm-hmm. uh, they are responsible for your nickname of CK. And I wanted you to tell that story because I think it's a funny story. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> yes. So CK stands for Classic Kevin. Um, what it was, they did an episode and it was M's story and it was about a haunted chair. Um, the chair of Thomas Busby. And <laughs> it turned out, well, the, the, the chair, it's the chair of death. And uh, he cursed it before he got hanged for murder. And anybody who sat in it or touched it or brushed up against it, died um, not long after. Turns out it's in a little village called Thirsk, which is not that far from me. So I thought, ah, I'll go out and have a looky. So I saw this chair. It's up on the wall. It's not on the floor, so you can't sit in it. It's about six feet up. So I, I touched it. I, I held the arm of the chair and I took some photos of it. And then I sent them to Christine and him. <laughs> Um, first thing they said was they take no responsibility for my death, which (laughs) (laughs) which I thought was fair enough. But then, um, that's sort of how the classic Kevin came about. It's like, oh, it's so, so classic Kevin, so Kevin, classic Kevin. So because of my, uh, how I feel about them, when I thought about a name, when I was doing Mirths and Monsters, I didn't want to do Kevin because it's not a particularly heroic name. So I thought... Classic Kevin, then I thought, no, you shorten it, shorten it to CK, because that sounds okay. So that is how CK came to be. So once again, they are uh, um, cause. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about the show. You We've talked about the reason that you started and kind of what you uh, emulated it from. Um, tell me a little bit about the feedback you've got. Is there any particular episodes that people tend to uh, always respond back to more than others? There, there are, yeah, there is. Um, the, I get a lot of good feedback from everybody about all of them, but the ones that seem to take a lot of people's fancy is either the Haggis one or even more so the Loch Ness Monster. Um, probably because the Loch Ness Monster is a global thing. I mean, he's been featured on The Simpsons. So uh, that's <laughs> everybody when you, that's knows when you've made a big who Ness he is. So uh, what I, even just today, actually, I got a message through because I've got a, a Facebook group for Mirth and Monsters and uh, Javier from Pretend Radio, um, which, by the way, is another amazing pod, and he's such a lovely guy as well. Um, but he was talking about how they were listening to it and him and his kid were trying to do Scottish accents. 
um, and <laughs> trying to say Loch Ness Monster or, or Nessie or whatever it was. So I've made a little competition of folks sending in, you know, give me your best Scottish accents and whoever wins, wins a mug or something like that. But Nessie, by far, is the one that folk dig the most. Very, very closely followed by the Haggis. Because I think Haggis, whilst known, is still thought of as just as a food instead of the, the creature that he is. So well, try I, to get the out. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say this from the American side. And I'm sure okay. there's people over in, in your part of the world that's going to be completely different. But when you talk about Haggis as a food... Um, that does that does not uh, that does not okay. sound well with me at all. That just does not sound appetizing at all. It just uh, why don't you explain to people? Because um, most of the people listening would be in the U.S. Why don't you explain to them what haggis is from a food standpoint? <laughs> right. Okay. Maybe I should start this by saying that I think you're not allowed to take haggis into America because it's banned. Because it's. <laughs> It's the, because of the lungs part of the thing. Um, <laughs> haggis is a sheep. It's a sheep stomach that's filled with the the organs and the offal of the, the sheep, um, along with a little bit of oatmeal, some spices, and uh, you boil it for an hour, and then you have it with neeps and thighs. Uh, oh, just... by the way. Neeps are turnips, thighs are potatoes. So, oh, okay. <laughs> haggis is delicious. It really, really is delicious. I'll take your word for it. Even though it's banned in your country. <laughs> yeah, I, I, when I first heard your episode and on that, and I said, you know what? I'm going to look this up. And when I looked it up, I'm like, oh, my God. If, if this is what made Chef Ramsay famous, I don't want to know about the rest of it. <laughs> you know what? It's not even the worst thing we eat. Oh, <laughs> well, I guess it uh, could be right there with Australia with all the Vegemite and stuff. So I guess it's... Oh, oh God. No, that is disgusting. <laughs> That's horrible. I shared a flat with an Australian lassie and uh, she absolutely loved Vegemite. And it just, it's the most, it's the second most disgusting thing I have ever smelt in my life. Do I need to ask what the number one is? You can't. It's coffee. Wow. That's I a, don't like I've never drank it. The smell of it makes me cake. You know, I don't drink coffee. I don't like the mm. taste of coffee, but I love the smell of it. So it's just kind of weird. Nine, yeah, no folk like that. Though. I, I just don't like it at all. Hopefully I won't put people off me, but <laughs> it's just not for me. Kevin, it's been awesome having you on the show. Tell everybody how they can find you on the various social media and uh, find your show. Of course, yeah. Um, so the show itself is available on uh, iTunes and Stitcher. And to be honest, I think it's available on most things apart from Google Play because I believe that British podcasts can't go on to Google Play. You're correct on that. Yeah. So other than that, I'm pretty much everywhere. Um, I'm also on Twitter. So the Twitter... Um, I forget what one. It's Mirth's Monsters on Twitter. I am also on Instagram, which is Mirth's and Monsters Pod. And I like that for putting up what the next episode is going to be. And I also like it if folk like to send in any kind of drawings they've done. Because because of that, there's a lassie called Jackie, who I've asked to do some drawings for when I, when I finally do merchandise and stuff. 
Um, she's done some amazing drawings um, of Haggis, uh, for one, and such a talented lassie. So I like folk to kind of send in um, their ideas of what Haggis might look like or anything like that at all. And I'm also on the Facebook. Um, so I have a page in a group. It's Mirths and Monsters is the page. And then there's a group, which is Mirths and Monsters Group, a.k.a. Finn's Fan Club. <laughs> so, and all you need to get into that is uh, one quick approval and then pet pictures. <laughs> nice. Yes. So would I be completely out of line if I said the number one reason I had you on is just because I wanted to have somebody with a Scottish accent on? Would that be offending at all? I do not mind at all. <laughs> Because my accent has been one of the things that has been mentioned quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely, it. and all kidding aside, the show is fantastic, and the accent definitely adds to it. It's perfect Thank for you. the show that you do. Uh, everybody out there, if you haven't listened to Mirths and Monsters, you need to give it a try, especially if you've got children. Uh, children tend to love this show, and as I said, it's completely family-friendly, uh, no questionable subject material whatsoever, and uh, it, it's it's worth a listen. If you listen, I think you'll be hooked like I am. Oh, man. Thank you. All right, Kevin, I'll talk, <laughs> I'll talk to you soon, brother. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> no See problem. You, you said, I mean, Kevin is so shy, it's hard to believe that he's a podcaster because he doesn't come across that way on his show. But he's just like, this is like so humbling for him oh, to even yeah. have anybody, you know, kind of make a big deal about him. But he deserves what he gets. Well, of he's, course he does. He's he's awesome. And uh, I think the show's great. And like I said, I think you guys should check it out. I think yeah. you'll really enjoy it. Very happy for you, hun. So let's talk about um, some more haunted Caribbean okay. stuff. Okay. I, I wish we had known. I bet there were some haunted places at... Um, the Virgin Islands when we were there. Well, I looked it up. There really isn't a whole lot. There was like a couple of ghost tours that they do by boat oh. out there in St. Thomas that would have actually been pretty cool, but it's mainly pirate type stuff. Which oh, is darn. And that's oddly enough what we're going to kind of talk about. So we're going to talk about Jamaica. Uh, specifically right now, we're going to talk about Port Royale. Now, Blackbeard's ghost is constantly being reported like around town. I don't know how people would know exactly which one is Blackbeard and some of these other ones because he's not the only pirate that's actually seen in the streets of modern-day Port Royal. Calico Jack is also seen there, and it makes sense that he would be there because he was actually hung in Port Royal wow. for his pirating. So I guess he's still hanging around. <laughs> no. So in the Grand Cayman Islands, you actually have... Doopy Turn. Now, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. It's D-U-P-P-Y. It may be Duppy. But the story is that pirates used to actually hide their loot there. Mm-hmm. And see, I said loot instead of saying booty, even though booty would have been funnier. Now, they didn't just hide their loot there to actually make sure that their treasures would never actually uh, be found and would be remain hidden. They would actually kill Kamanians and bury them with the loot and the thought process was that the ghost would actually keep treasure hunters away. Oh. So they would kill somebody, bury it with their yeah. treasures, and then figure the ghost would just watch over it for them. <laughs> you know, why not? Probably that work out for no, no hard feelings at all about killing me just to yeah. keep an eye on your loot. <laughs> so over the years, there have actually been several paranormal sightings here, and mostly just after sunset. Now, doopies or duppies 
are ghosts that appear at nighttime, especially if you're walking alone. It's such a common tale that there is actually a common cure. You, you will be upset about this cure. You just throw salt out. You know, just like, you know, like the story about if you spill salt, it's supposed to throw some over your yeah. shoulder or whatever. Well, the story is if you actually throw salt, the duppy won't be able to resist stopping and count all the grains. Count the grains? Yeah. It just, that's what it does. They just, when you, it's, that's their weakness. Like kryptonite Superman. Oh, you geez. throw some salt out and they just start counting the grains. And then that gives you enough time to get to safety. I mean, I would guess so. And what a waste of salt. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, in Jamaica, they've got all kinds of salt water. I'm sure salt's not hard to come by. <laughs> so the tail of the, the duppy was actually traced all the way back to Africa and more specifically to the Bantu tribe. Yeah, the tail of the duppies is also found in Barbados. Oh. In the other islands, they actually refer to uh, these creatures as jumbies. And uh, by all means, they're pretty much the same thing. Uh, it's an, a malevolent spirit will actually emerge at nighttime, and it will haunt you and choose the victim, more or less. Yeah. So, oh, so they do choose. It's just not right. like a random... But the cure is exactly the same. Okay. Now, in Guyana, they actually have uh, something they call the old hag. And she's more of a vampire-type entity, and... She's an old woman by the day. And at nighttime, she's a vampire. Oh. And it's the same thing as the, with the doopies or whatever. Yeah. That, but instead of throwing salt, you throw grains of rice. Oh. So you throw rice and... and uh, what kind of stupid ghosts are these? Well, I mean, I Where don't they know. just, uh, hey, uh, I've got my mindset. I'm going to kill you. Oh, some rice. Let me count it. I, I don't understand that thinking, but... And the thing about it is, is, is like with this situation, supposedly... When you throw the rice out, she would even start counting it so many times. She would start recounting it to be once to make sure she's accurate all the way to the morning time. Okay. All I know is they need to get a life. Right. Because that's ridiculous. Now, the problem with this one is anytime you start mixing stuff in like um, she's an, uh, an old woman during the day. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, people in that area, they don't trust old women. Old women. Or they persecute them. And actually put them on trial because they start accusing them of being a hag. So is she a young vampire at night? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I have no clue. I have no clue. Now, this is a cool story. This is actually from the Dominican Republic. And it's the Baharuco. And local legend actually says that the mountains that are around there are home to something called BM BN. I know I'm pronouncing that wrong. BMBNs. It's almost like human or something, but BMBNs. It's a half monster and half human. And it's going all the way back to the 1700s is where this legend came from, that these things live up in the the island. So supposedly what happened was an African slave and some Indians actually escaped from a Spanish master and they hid in the mountains. And then... After being cut off from civilization for quite some time, they actually mutated into these wild things, and they roam the area even today. How do you mutate into something I, like that? I don't know. I have no idea. And there was some weird crap going on back <laughs> in the days, right? Yeah. Now, they aren't just mischievous like the doopies and stuff like that. They actually are uh, a horrifying, malevolent spirit. They actually prey on humans for food and for sacrifice. Yeah. So if they caught up with you, that's not very good. 
And my paper's moving around. Sorry about that. Yes, they are. And that was quite noisy. <laughs> and well, now they're just playing with a squeaky toy. Right. <laughs> Ninja. <laughs> We're trying to do a show. Last but not least, we've got <laughs> the great Isaac K. Lighthouse. It's actually in the Bahamas. And it's in, actually, to be exact, in uh, Bimini, which is the island of Bimini right there in the Bahamas. It's 150, 152 feet tall. That's 46 meters for our uh, foreign listeners. It was built as an exhibit for the Great London Exposition in 1852. Mm-hmm. Years after the expo had ended, it was actually shipped in pieces and reassembled oh, on the island of Bimini. Dang, that's so cool they can do that. Yep. There were lots of small inlets and shoals here, so the lighthouse actually made more sense to be here than over in England. Yeah. And the fact that um, they had all those things and it was needed, it was very much welcome to to have there. There is uh, a spot where several bodies of water kind of come together here right where the lighthouse is. So you've got the uh, Grand Bahamas Banks, you've got the Straits of uh, Florida, and you got the Northwest Providence Channel. Now, superstitious seamen will tell you that this tends to breed paranormal activity when you got all these bodies of water coming together. I don't know why it would. Oh, but I've never heard of anything like that. Well, you're not a seaman. <laughs> you might have came from seaman, but you're not a seaman. Oh, well, I'm glad you pointed that out. <laughs> so multiple, <laughs> multiple ghosts are actually said to haunt this lighthouse. Uh, one is a young boy that was eaten by a shark just off the shore. How did this happen, you say? Well, I'm glad you asked. He was a passenger on a supply ship, and this was actually, they were traveling back and forth during the construction of the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. So the the ship wrecked, and he was the um, only casualty. So that, he was the only one of the whole ship so wrecked to die. Yeah, I guess. And he's the only one that died because the sharks ate him. And his spirit is now said to wander around the K Lighthouse. Oh, poor thing. A more famous ghost, though, is the Gray Lady. Now, she was actually part of a whole shipload of people who died just off the uh, the Isaac K in the late 1800s. On a full moon night, you can supposedly hear her moaning as she's searching the lighthouse for her lost son. And the reason she's searching for her son is because... Out of her whole ship, everybody died except for her infant son. How is that even possible? I don't know. So now she searches for her son. Uh, Nobody lives at the lighthouse anymore. Uh, From 1800s to 1970s, the lighthouse was actually manned by humans, Mm -hmm. which you would expect. But in August 1969, a pair of caretakers vanished. Like, no explanation. No bodies were ever found. They just disappeared. So in 1970, it became automated. And there was just strictly um, an automated system up there, so no more humans up there. So wow, that's just that's odd. That's very interesting. Two, yeah. light, two light keepers just missing. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. So who knows what happened there. I just can't believe that little kid survived that. That was two stories ago. I know, but... I mean, just think, a little bitty kid like that. I can't believe... Maybe he was in a nook. I can't... A nook. (laughs) I can't believe that everything we've talked about, that's what you can't believe. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm going to end on this. It's really not paranormal, but I just thought it was very fascinating. 
And oh, and also uh, the Johnny Cash song that was at the beginning, I only played a small part of it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put the full song on the end of this. Yeah, okay. So if you want to hear, because there's some spoken word part that he did at the beginning that talks a little bit about it and it goes into the song. So I thought it'd be cool to add on there. This story is about the Unabomber. You know who the Unabomber is? Yes. Okay. Uh, Ted Kaczynski. Now, I found this very interesting, so I thought it was cool to bring up just to show you how people can, you know, everybody thinks that Ted Kaczynski is this bad guy, which trust me, he did a lot of bad shit, so I understand why people would think that. But when you hear his background, you might think a little different about why he took the actions he did. So I thought I'd tell you a little bit about this. So Ted Kaczynski was the Unabomber, obviously, he was probably one of the most famous murder hermits of all time because, you know, he actually stayed kind of locked away in the woods. Like, that's kind of where they got him, like in a shack out in the woods. But he's generally perceived to be a violent, paranoid schizophrenic, and rightfully so. But there are parts to his story that you might not know. Kaczynski actually was messed up, but he was also brilliant. Did you know that he attended Harvard in 1958 when he was 16 years old? Wow. That's impressive enough. But that kind of also was when he started spiraling into his nut job mentality, right? Mm-hmm. So in 1959, there was a group of psychologists from Harvard's Department of Social Relations who apparently decided that they actually hadn't quite filled their evil science quota. So they got a group of 22 students, including young Ted, to enlist in a blatantly torturous psychological experiment. First, the subjects were actually asked uh, to write an essay that would reveal their personal beliefs, the values, the uh, thoughts that they actually held the most dear. Students were then supposed to debate their beliefs with the fellow undergraduates. But the debate actually consisted of being covered in electrodes and then sitting in a bright room facing a one-way mirror. While they had a law student then that actually was specifically prepped to verbally abuse you. Whoa. Why would, I don't, why would they want to participate in that? I don't know. The abuse the subjects actually... Uh, had was that they were actually tearing their ideas and their values apart. Then, after the participants actually had participated in being humiliated and on the verge of extreme anger, they were called back to watch the recordings of the procedures. Then, they had their very world torn apart <laughs> and had to sit down and watch how stupid they really looked on TV. <laughs> wow. It would be like actually signing up for a charity run and then finding out that you were <laughs> put on the Jersey Shore or something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but that's so cruel. So the experiments were conducted between 1959 and 1962 and headed up by Professor Henry A. Murray. And he was already somehow famous for his work with the OSS and the CIA. So he was kind of used to this kind of interrogation type stuff. They took place in a mansion slash laboratory known as the Annex because clearly no one here was even remotely interested in pretending that they weren't supervillains. So it's kind of (laughs) like they were like Dr. Evil. Yeah. But that actually tells you what was going on back when he was 16, 17, 18 years old. Uh, The researchers actually gave all of the the subjects bizarre code names. Ted's was ironically lawful. Lawful? Yeah. Turns out he turned out to be the, the nut job of the group. Now, the fact that Kaczynski first displayed his signature hostility towards technology in 1962, right when Murray... Uh, the study had ended is clearly not a coincidence. Also not a coincidence, the UN, or I guess UN, UN, mm-hmm. in Unabomber 
is because he preferred targets associated with universities. Oh. Now, would it surprise you, going back and knowing what you know now, that he was sending bombs to people at universities after knowing what he went through at college? Yeah, that's pretty messed up. So. But... That's still no excuse. No, it's not an excuse, but I'm just saying, when you start messing with somebody mentally, especially that young while they're trying to develop their minds, especially somebody who was a smart, I mean, this kid's a genius, 16 years old at Harvard. I mean. I don't know how they, those people thought that was going to help matters at all. They probably didn't. And, you know, when you're in the 19, late 1950s, I mean, their whole mentality of what would work and what wouldn't work was, you know, completely different. You know, and that's really a shame too. So he was so intelligent. He could have really been this great, awesome person that does good for the world or whatever. And in in fact, he just effed it up. Yep. You know, he could have been somebody that would, you know, design and operate something like the Hillbilly Horror Stories uh, store that you can go to our website and find and buy (laughs) t-shirts and shower curtains. Oh, my gosh. Oh, hello. Anyway, that's enough shameless plug about the the store, unless you really want to go. Yeah, that'd be nice. And sign up for Patreon. We did, what was our uh, episode we just did um, this past Sunday? You remember? Mm-mm. It was the one we were laughing. Oh, it was on Mammoth oh Cave gosh. and Floyd Collins. Yes, I do remember. <laughs> we laugh and giggle and all that- the way through. We were so delirious. <laughs> we were, but man, I tell you what, I still love that story. That story is just amazing. I went and told Dr. Cooper and. Oh, did you? Yes. I told him, I said, you got to look that up. But it was, we had a good time. I'm <laughs> and just since bit. Tracy likes to throw random stuff out there, Dr. Cooper is the dentist she works for, oh, not yeah. just not just some random doctor that she started spewing information yeah, to. I know. I, and he's he's starting to get into these podcasts and stuff. But I just thought that last that last story was so interesting. And but yeah, we had a little fun and was kind of giggly and stuff. You know, not really meaning to be, but it just came out that way. So. Yeah. And I don't mention this enough because I really just forget about it. But. On the Patreon, if you go to our Patreon page and sign up, you don't have to pay anything right then. They charge you the first of the month, the $1, $3, $5, $10, whatever you choose to do. But we give you a bunch of bonuses for your money. We give away a free T-shirt every month to anybody who's a member. And um, But, yeah, they don't charge you right away. So you actually could sign up and start listening to all the bonus stuff for absolutely free and if you don't like what you hear then just mm-hmm. no, you're, right. you're not out yeah, any money pull it before the first of the month and yeah. you don't get charged anything so it's a try it before you buy it type deal sure but hopefully you like what you got i think i think we have very few people actually sign up and then not continue for at least a while so yeah i think most people are generally happy with what they get so we I hope so. we take a lot of pride in putting a lot into these Patreon shows because if you guys are going to dish your hard-earned money out to us we want you to feel like you get your money's worth Amen, brother. So we're getting out of here next week. This show is going to be one of our best. I'm telling you ahead of time. I don't say that very often. But we're going to do the story of Haunted Tombstone, Arizona, including the uh, Birdcage Theater, which is an awesome story if you've never heard it. Not very many people have done this story. So I think that it's a good one. And then we're going to do Carl Tanzler, which uh, I think a lot of you might know the story. He, uh, he was a nut job, all of his own. But... I'm going to do this story way different than you've probably heard it. So I think uh, I think you guys are really going to enjoy this one. I'm excited about it, and I'm putting extra effort into it to make it one of the best shows. And then I'm sure I'll be excited about it too. And then um, hopefully, if all goes well, we'll have Amy Bruni 
from Kindred Spirits on the show. That's the uh, the plan as we have it right now. Yes, that'd be great. So we will talk to you guys next week. Thank you so much for everything you do. We love you guys. Love you guys. Have a great week. One time I went down to Jamaica to a place called Rose Hall Plantation. They grow a lot of sugar cane and tomatoes and things at Rose Hall now. It used to be just a sugar cane plantation back in the days of slavery. And they tell stories about the place and about the great house at Rose Hall that many, many years ago there came from the country of Haiti a lady named Annie Palmer who lived in that great house there. And she was a mistress of the plantation. She was the boss. Her word was law. Well, they tell a lot of tales about Annie. They say she had three husbands, one at a time, I guess. But they also tell tales about Annie and the slaves. There were about 5,000 slaves on the plantation. She had her favorites, and she had the ones that weren't her favorites. Well, down on the sea, there are three tall palm trees waving in the breeze, and they say that maybe Annie Palmer's three husbands are buried under those palm trees. On the island of Jamaica, quite a long, long time ago, at Rose Hall Plantation, where the ocean breezes blow, lived a girl named Annie Palmer, the mistress of the place. And the slaves all lived in fear to see a frown on Annie's face. Where's your husband, Annie? Where's number two and three? Are they sleeping neath the palms beside the Caribbean Sea? At night I hear you riding and I hear your lover's call And I still can feel your presence round the great house at Rose Hall Well, if you should ever go to see the great house at Rose Hall There's expensive chairs and china and great paintings on the wall They'll show you Annie's sitting room and the whipping post outside But they won't let you see the room where Annie's husband's died Where's your husband, Annie? Where's number two and three? Are they sleeping neath the palms beside the Caribbean Sea? At night I hear you riding and I hear your lover's call And I still can feel your presence round the great house at Rose Hall